Welcome to our session, Kids Taking a Stand. Um, my name is Brandon Ralph. My day-to-day -day job is basically I'm the go-to guy that knows the youth. So uh, I go into big organizations and tell them how that they can hire young people into their workforce and also how they can market and engage with them. Hello, uh, my name is Lizzie Hodgson. I'm founder and director of Think Nation. We're an organization that tries to humanize the impact of technology um, and media for young people. We do it through films, workshops, talks, and um, working with mentors to help young people understand the world that they're inheriting, the world that we've made, and make sense of the technology that's going to shape their world as they move forward. So today, we're going to do a little bit different. Um, for one of the first times in CMC history, our entire panel, except for Lizzie, is full of uh, young people. And we... <laughs> <laughs> and we and we're going to be filming a live podcast uh, called the ZX Spectrum. So just to give you a little bit of context of the ZX Spectrum, I'm uh, Generation X, Brandon is Generation Z, and the, the, the idea is that we take an intergenerational view um, and conversation around tech by, uh, digital media on young people and also on society. And for anyone here, does anyone here know what the ZX Spectrum originally was? Yeah, see. <laughs> it was a computer. Um, so we're delighted to be here today and explore young people's rise of activism. So if you want to explain what they're doing here, Brandon. I think that was on your cue card. <laughs> well, basically, we're going to be looking at how young people are responding to the media in, with regards to the new sense of purpose and of activism. Um, and it really matters. Young people are being told many, many times over and over again, particularly in the media, um, that their future is very bleak. Young people are going to need multiple jobs to work very long hours, for very low pay, that's what they're being told. Democracy is dead. The world is burning. Corporations are stealing our data and stealing our privacy. And we think perhaps it's trying to change this narrative. Um, we have a responsibility to change that narrative, everyone in this room. We need to change the narrative of possibility, hope, and action. Because the world young people are inheriting is our, all the ones that put their arms up and saying the ZX Spectrum, this is the world we've created. This is our legacy to them. And we're all responsible for enabling and ensuring that young people have the right tools and the right support to change the world in very, very big ways because the world they're inheriting isn't in great shape in many, many ways. So before we start, I'm going to talk... You can find uh, the ZX Spectrum on all sort of popular podcasting things. We've just sort of finished up a season and we're starting a new season over the summer, which this is going to be the first episode of. So you can have a re-listen in a few months about all of this. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to welcome our wonderful panel of young people to the stage. So I'd like to welcome Alvin, Dan, Ella and Noga. We're also, because we're going to be recording this for our podcast, we're now going to go into podcast mode. So we're now going to be doing yeah. the introductions so again. So it sounded a bit weird for yeah. you all in the room, but it will make sense when you hear it all afterwards. Uh, so I think we're going to crack on. Yep. Okay. Yep. All ready? All had a sip of water? All good? Everyone happy? Good. <laughs> right. 
Hello, welcome to the ZX Spectrum. My name's Lizzie Hodgson. And my name's Brenna Ralph. And in this episode, we're delighted to say that we're coming from the Children's Media Conference in Sheffield, the only gathering in the UK for everyone involved in developing, producing, and distributing content to kids and young people. Mm -hmm. And we're the first panel that's all about kids here, and it's the first panel that's going to have a bigger reach with all you listeners listening at home. So on our panel today, we have Alvin Osuwu, we have Ella Meek, we have Dan Laws, and we have Noga Levy-Rappaport. Uh, Alvin, do you want to kick us off and introduce and tell everybody about what you do? Um, so I'm a second year economics undergraduate at the University of Essex. I'm an intern at Google on the Google Android marketing team, and I run a social enterprise called the Advantage Group, and our main aim is to transform the lives of young people from underrepresented groups by making them more employable and building pipelines and partnerships with firms to make that happen. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, my name's Ella, I'm 13 years old, and about three years ago, uh, me and my sister founded a campaign that's now a charity called Kids Against Plastic, and what we're hoping to do is encourage people to be more plastic clever, which is basically reducing the use of plastic and using reusables instead. I'm also a presenter on a Sky Kids program called FYI, which is presenting the news to the kids from kids. Afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. My name is Daniel Laws. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Youth Politics UK. It's a national organisation originally founded in Manchester with the main aim of giving young people the skills to enact positive social change. We go into areas where kids you wouldn't think would be interested in politics, but they have incredible ideas, and our job is to try and link them up with decision makers and ensure that they do have the skills to make a difference. Hi, I'm Nogalevi Rapport. Um, I'm an environmental campaigner and an active member of the UK Student Climate Network, which is the horizontal volunteer-based organisation that organises the youth strikes and the Fridays for Future protests, both here and internationally. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. So I think the first question I'd like to ask is, what does activism mean to you and, and why does it matter? Alvin, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yes, sure. Um, activism... So I think even when we had our initial phone call, I don't necessarily call myself an activist, um, but I do think activism is important for every single person. I think every single person has a privilege and some sort of platform. Is it too close? No, keep going, keep going. Um, so every single person has some sort of privilege and a platform that they can use to leverage. So whether that's in your school, whether that's in your workplace, wherever, um, you can be an activist. And I think, I think my sort of activism will, will be as I grow up or mature will be definitely be internal. So as I navigate a space, whether that's Google, whether that's an investment bank, I'm going to make sure that I'm championing in certain groups that need it, that don't have the access to the spaces I do. So that's what activism means to me. Uh, I think activism for me is basically just taking a stand for what you believe in. But I think that can be in a wide range. So it could be something huge and radical, or it could just be asking for no straw in your drink at a cafe or filling up a reusable bottle. And I think even if it's something small or something big, both are really important for different reasons because without the small changes, then not everyone would be able to make a difference. Yeah, I think activism is uh, looking at something, an issue in society, and let's be honest, there's plenty to choose from. And looking at it and go, I need to do something about that. You know, I think in Western democracies, we're always so preoccupied with looking at the who rather than looking in the mirror and going, hang on a second, what can I do to change it? And everyone has the ability to do so. You know, the fact that there are youngsters on this, 
on this panel shows that anyone really can do so. Um, so it's using what you have. I grew up with no political contacts, and yet was able to set up a national organization. And hopefully that shows that anyone really can. Um, so it's using the weapons at your disposal and ensuring that you do make a difference to the issues which you identify. I think, yeah, very similarly, using what you have and, and empowering yourself. I think for me, activism often intersects with campaigning and um, a lot of it relies on, on simply who you are, what you see around you and how you want the world to see other people. Because it's not just about the injustices you face, but it's about the injustices other people face. That you, you have the privilege to change that. And I think it's, it's vital that we all look around and think, actually, I'm not, I'm not alone, and I don't need to be alone if I tap into my emotions and, and make them loud. I think it's very interesting to hear all of your different takes and how they, they are very similar, but also very different, and how you're each doing your own different things. Now, we're at the Children's Media Conference, and I would say in the mainstream media, activism is commonly sort of pushed against and isn't necessarily uh, seen in such a positive light. I personally see it as lots of us versus them rather than tackling issues as one unity and one together. Do you guys think that there is a stigma sort of around activism in the media? Do you want to kick us on da off, Dan? I'm seeing your then. face. Okay. <laughs> so it's really interesting because, I mean, one of the main things I was very adamant on when setting up youth politics, you know, we had a... We sat around with a table of about 10 young people in Manchester. That's how it all started off. Now we're in London and Edinburgh. Um, but it originally started off, and we said, where do we want to take this? There's so many different avenues we can take. And my main argument was this. We need to stay nonpartisan. So you have a very much, you know, your take on it is what the media presents, which is an us versus them. But I think, you know, what, what we're seeing in the, uh, in the media and across the world in, you know, almost this populist uprising is an us versus them. And the way you solve that is by incorporating all people from all different backgrounds and all different views. Young people, although you may think they're all left-wing, they're not. You know, I go across the country and I talk at events and you find people with a whole diverse range of views. So I think what activism needs to do, and especially I think this is something which young people need to take on board a bit more, but at the same time there's almost a general consensus among the issues and how to solve them, um, but it is incorporating all young people. I think something this generation is really different and unique on is that we all pretty much have very similar views in terms of what the most salient issues are. We may have different directions and where to go, but we all identify, for example, climate change is a big issue. Um, to go back to your question, activism, yeah, it's had a us versus them mentality in the media. That's something we need to change. Um, but at the same time, yeah, we as activists ourselves need to incorporate other people in. Um, and hopefully that's something our generation can do. It's about listening. It's about, you know, we'll extend a hand if you unclench your fist sort of mentality. Yeah. I, th I think it's really interesting to see, you know, how, how it's sort of come about. I mean, the research, because I'm very sort of in my work research and data-driven, and the research backs up what you're saying in the, in the fact that, that this is sort of a big generational thing that's happening throughout and to have it be sort of silenced and put us and them, I think it almost goes above politics mm. and above sort of what they're... What are your views, Ella? I mean, I think initially there is a bit of resilience against activism because people don't necessarily want to make a change when they first hear about it because obviously they're set in their ways and it might take a bit of effort to make a difference. But I think you kind of have to push past that to get to the part where they actually think, oh, yeah, you have a good idea, maybe we should do that. So I think initially people might not want to do it, but then if you give your points and your views, they might understand. And when they understand, that's when they'll lead on to make a change. So 
I mean, we're, we're here with a room full of media industry experts. Media peoples. <laughs> what should those in the media be doing? Um, Noga, I'm interested to hear what you say. How can they, how can they kind of like embrace the activism, as it were, um, without kind of like losing momentum, without it being, having integrity and authenticity, and it not feeling kind of like to go back to what, you know, Alvin was mentioned in his talk earlier today, that, you know, this isn't a fad, this isn't something that's, you know, this is about, we have to make this something that's ingrained into the, what we see. How would you suggest that they can do that? I think there's, there's a number of different ways that we can talk about activism. We can talk about the changing political landscape, that we can talk about youth leadership and the power that that has. Um, and I think that starts by, by firstly, larger media channels and broadcasting groups sort of taking a step back from, from the political guidelines and sort of saying this isn't an issue that requires a political balance, this is an issue that requires urgent action and that's what we need to pass on. It's an issue that needs everyone to actually take direct action and the media needs to present the solutions to that. You know, you take direct action, you pressure the government to implement a Green New Deal, we rapidly decarbonise our economy and boom, I mean that's it, right? <laughs> but it's it's about changing the language and, and thinking about, yes, this is a crisis, we know it's a crisis, so start telling us what we can do and start telling us what, what we'll see. This is, this is an opportunity for a better world. So is this about kind of like changing that narrative to the, na the narrative of possibility, of doing, of pushing forward, not on the back foot, not like we're all doomed, we're all, you know, everything's going to go wrong. We have to find ways forward. Um, I'm interested... Um, Ella, with your work that you do around the, you know, the TV presenting and the news story, how do you find that pans out for you? What do you find in your... Do you have much editorial decision-making in that? Uh, I think, obviously, there are stories that are really important to kids, and this is a kids' news programme, so it is all aimed at that kind of audience, and we can send forward stories if we think that's what kids would want to hear, and we can change ideas to make them more kid-friendly, and obviously we can adapt the script uh, and adapt the ideas in a way so that we can get across what us kids think other kids would want. Because these are adults writing these scripts and adults giving these ideas, but they do think, oh yeah, you guys are the target audience, so what would you like to put in? So I think it is in that way. I think, I think we're commonly seeing in, in this platform, is, and, and it's great that Sky are sort of doing that in that way, is that need, I think, for having kids being involved in the discussion and having everybody, you know, when there's kids... I love the fact that Sky are having kids host the new show for kids. It makes so much sense in the mind, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a shift I think I've seen, and I, I, think, I think we're generally heading in the right direction. I don't know what you'd agree. What, what are your thoughts, Alvin, on, on, on your, your uh, activism? Do you think things are sort of heading in the right direction in the media, or what's um, going on with that? Sure. I, I want to touch on um, what you said about um, using kids. I think it's really important um, to, and this is to everyone in the room, if you do decide to use young people to adequately compensate young people for their time, um, I think it's important not to take advantage of these young people um, and their expertise because no one would take advantage of yours. And I think, I think especially when, so I'm very, very big and focused on um, diversity as well. So often what you find is that you find 
big so global media companies want more diverse faces um, they want to put out more diverse content so they will use scouts and these scouts are from underrepresented backgrounds so they could be from LGBT backgrounds they could be from low-income communities and you find that these groups um, these groups are now underpaid and these groups are now um, so you're sort of exacerbating the issue the original issue that was already the issue you're trying to solve so I think it's incredibly, incredibly important to just adequately compensate these young people if you do choose to use them, which we suggest, we all suggest you do. Dan, did you have something you wanted to add as well? Yeah, no, I mean, it was something I was banging on about in my speech this morning, is that I think it all starts off with including young people in the decision-making. I mean, our, our organisation does that in the political world, but it needs to happen in the media world. You know, if you want, to outreach, if you want an outreach to young people, get them on the screens, get them in the script-writing you know, script rooms. Don't be scared of that. Hopefully, one thing we can prove today on this panel is that you know, we are up for it. You know, we're not, we do have the skills, hopefully, which we can contribute to that, which could ultimately improve your ratings as well. Um, you know, thinking about, I can think about the FYI and maybe Newsround, but apart from that, I can't really think of anything in the media at the minute which is youth political or youth news related. You know, nothing comes to mind, yet it's one of the biggest issues, one of the biggest topics today in politics. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do, and it starts with getting young people having a say in the media industry. Yeah, I think even companies that create content specifically for children or news content, you yeah. know, for example, they don't necessarily sort of go and look at how the youth perspective and their stories that that sometimes, you know, sometimes miss the point, I find, when it comes to, you know, strikes of activism, things like that. I think they miss what's going on. So you, you touched on diversity. Um, yesterday, for those who were at the um, opening keynote for, for this conference, um, we heard from Nadia Hussain, the, the great British Bake Off um, She's awesome. winner, who is <laughs> just amazing. Um, she was talking about some kind of like experiences that she had and that she gave one example where she was working with I think around 60 people on a, mm -hmm. on a shoot or something and she realized that she was the only Asian woman on that shoot and the only other person um, of color was a young runner. Um, and it really struck me too when you just had to turn around yesterday and look at the faces in the audience that myself included, you know, that there's not that visible diversity. But diversity isn't just about visible diversity. It's around, as you said, it's low income. It's working class voices, which I think is massively missing from the media landscape. Um, it's BAME, it's LD, LGBTQ, it's women, it's gender. And those, I think they have to come from those voices. They can't be written in by somebody who hasn't experienced it. But how do we get the industry to kind of like reflect back out to the, to, the, to the world that they're representing? How do we get those people in? And I'm really, and this is a, we, we dance around this question all the time and we have all of these different initiatives, mm -hmm. but what actually can be done? Because we're still having this conversation year on, year out. I think, I, if it's all right, I'd like to, to answer that question. I think the first step is, is thinking, okay, who's already got the training? Who can actually, who's a young person who directs and produces and who already knows what they're doing that is, you know, not, not your, traditional, your traditional white, upper-class, you know, privately educated person, but also what free training across the country can we hold, can we fund and organise for school students, for young kids everywhere who can, who can learn these things? Because 
If you can't afford to learn how to direct and produce and create media content, then you're not gonna, you're never gonna be able to, to actually be a part of that world. And you know, it's just gonna hold us all back, create a much greater social divide. So we have to really start from the bottom. You have to start from very basic training that everyone can access and that is available everywhere. And you find the potential and you get students involved because currently it's way too closed off for people from diverse backgrounds to ever access the media. It starts with you guys. I mean, that, that is the main thing. It does yeah. start with, we met this morning, you know, we were, we're sitting down having lunch and people were coming up to us in the media industry. They were saying, look, we are starting to run these programs. And, you know, I had someone come up to me saying that after your talk, you know, I'm going to start introducing programs for, young, uh, you know, initiatives for young people to get involved with the industry. Um, and I think it's making sure that it's, you know, sadly, we're in a world where, you know, you've got to make it relevant to them. It's the same in the political world. When we're lobbying an MP, it's, well, you know, you, you go to young people, MPs are attracted to getting the votes of young people, um, and we'll give them something back if they get something in return. So, I mean, for you guys, it's something of saying, look, yes, please train up the next generation, but that's actually really beneficial for you. You know, you can bring on board some incredible, you know, we work with, we desperately want to get apprenticeships more, you know, make them more common in the workplace. Um, so it's really, it's brilliant for you guys to bring on young blood as well. Um, and I think that's what we need. So, yeah, it certainly starts with you guys and just opening up those opportunities, uh, going into schools, you know, taking in the initiative. And the data shows that there is an increased <laughs> amount, you know, of creativity in young yeah. people, of entrepreneurialship, 100%. particularly yeah. in young people. Um, I really sort of happy at the moment that the government are making strides towards it within schools, pushing careers and things like that. And I'm hoping the media industry as a whole, you know, plays a, a role in, you know, making sure that they're taking on, you know, younger people with these new careers things. Ofsted next year are going to start judging schools on their career programs, which is going to be fun. And, and I'm curious what, what you guys think, you know, does this need to start from you know, how, how could this start from, does it need to start from a young age? Does it, is it too late now for a certain generation, generational group? Uh, or is there still sort of more, more to be done? You know, um, I think companies don't display enough foresight. They aren't preemptive enough. So I think companies only really start to invest in young people from about, I would say, to make real sustainable impact on a young person from about maybe at 16, but averaging around 18, that's when you're at university and the firms you might see, if you go to a target university, you might see the firms at your campus. I think they need to be a bit more preemptive and start planting seeds from a lot earlier because, um, and that's how, I think that's truly how you get more diverse faces. This is how you get more young people because um, it's been inbuilt in them and they've seen it. So when I speak to a lot of young people, they can't even envision a reality post-education. So like, life actually, if you ask them to think past that, life ends at um, year 11. Or if I'm in college, life ends at year 13. And even sometimes at uni, I speak to people and life ends at university. And I think that's because there hasn't been enough involvement by these global media companies, by these, or whatever um, companies, to be completely honest. I think you hit on a really good point around, I think there needs to be a conscious effort about doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, today when we were putting the panel together, we were very conscious on having a very diverse panel. And I think we've done quite a good jo job with that. And um, at the conference as a whole doesn't necessarily have the most diversity, but we were eager to do that. And Lizzie and I constantly have these discussions around how we think that in order to get diversity in anywhere, it's not just going to happen by itself. You have to constantly go out and seek it 
and, and the finder. Yeah. I agree. And you, you have to make that effort. And I think that it is, and the, the, the thing that struck me with the work that, that Brandon and I do and with the work with Think Nation is that it's out there. It's all out there. You just have to go to them and you have to find them and you have to engage them on their terms and not expect them to come to you. And I think that the other thing that, you know, to bring it back to the topic as well around activism, from our experience, young people are absolutely eager and desperate to get these things, to share these stories, to have the part of a world where they feel that they are listened to and taken seriously. Um, so I think that, 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 that it's not like everything's, you know, organizations aren't doing it, but I think sometimes we need to double down a little bit on how we're doing it and look at different ways and certainly bringing young people into your organization to be the ones that say how you're going to do it, not by committee, which we're all, you know, we're all guilty of on some level, like not by committee of somebody who has no life experience of what we're trying to reach. So, not anyone, anyone else want to add on to that topic? Ella? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I think so many kids dream at a young age of being involved in these organisations and dream of being a news presenter or a journalist and things. And I think as they grow older, that dream is kind of it shrinks because they aren't encouraged, they aren't, the they aren't, there aren't people saying, you can do that, we'll, there are so many people looking for children like you, and I think what needs to happen is from that young age, people need to be encouraged to carry on dreaming that dream because then when they grow up, they'll still have that passion and they will be ready to do that, whereas instead, at the moment, they dream at a young age and then it kind of fades away over time. So then when people want them to be in those jobs, they don't have that same passion. And that links into whether or not you see people like you on the screen or behind the scenes or represented as a whole. You know, I think one thing which is really clear as well is I don't think young people have the, the resources at such a young age. You know, I mean, I think we all know that education has been one of the biggest parts focused upon by the government to cut um, in recent years. And, you know, I always have a massive rant um, at those who make those decisions saying, look, why are you cutting arts? Arts are often some of the first things they cut. Drama, music. When in reality, young people, I mean, those are the, first of all, the skill, you, those are skills you don't learn in a classroom. Those are skills which allow all of us to be here today. But I think young people should have the ability to roam around and have a look at, you might have a journalist or a, or a TV presenter who never knows that that's what they could be. Um, and that starts by giving them the option to do so at a young age. Yeah. So, Dan, I just wanted to pick up on something that you said earlier around the fact that you've got two, you know, you, you, there's two, two like, news shows that you could mention that are driven by young people. Where are young people finding this content then? Where are they grouping around? Where are they finding this stuff that, they, that is part of this kind of like igniting the activist, igniting those, those roles, those things? They're not. And that's the big problem. I mean, there are a few, I mean, look, young people, everyone here can name YouTube, Netflix, those are the areas they go to. Um, but this is what always gets me. There's such a huge, such a huge gap in the market here you know, the fact that we have this panel is very telling. Young people are really interested in the activist world. You know, where are the BBC, ITV, um, in actually making content politically related? Maybe they think it's too risky, but when has British media ever been afraid of a risk? Do you know what I mean? It's time to bring on young people into the media, especially in the political world. When we do um, loads of polls, especially at our conferences, and um, even in regions you wouldn't think, you know, you look at what do they really enjoy looking at. It's stuff like the late shows in America, which often are quite political, you know, mixing comedy and politics. 
Um, and we're stuck with, you know, the same political satire, which seems quite exclusive. You know, young people aren't incorporated. So I think there's a huge gap in the market there, which hopefully, if there are any BBC or ITV folk or Sky or anything, you'll start picking up on this and go, there is such a big audience out there for this. You know, you could put us on the screens, put, you know, get youth script writers going. It, there is a market out there. I think, so one of the things that might be pushed back against that is impartiality. Yeah. How does one keep impartial? How do you keep that impartiality? Um, particularly for organisations like the BBC that, that, you know, that have a, uh, a, a list of things that they have to make sure they do. It's within their charter. Yeah, yeah. it's in their charter. Yeah. So how do we, how does that, you know, how, how do yeah. we get around those things? Well, young people aren't exclusive to one ideology, you know. Mm -hmm. I think you, first of all, you do have to admit that there are issues which there is going to be an overall bias on. So for example, climate change. But again, it's not really an overall bias. It's just common sense. And that's what the media... Me, it's you know, fact. It's <laughs> fact. The BBC have got to stop, you know, for, for purpose of partiality, bringing in flat earthers. I mean, come on, you know, it's, it's, it's not a balanced debate, you know. It's, it's not a balanced debate as a whole. So, you know, we've got to stop running away, you know, from the idea of bringing in different points of views or, you know, bringing in common sense views. So young people don't belong to an exclusive ideology. And that's something I want to try and demystify as well because, you know, we go across the country, there are young people with views you wouldn't expect. Um, and, you know, I think it's really dangerous. And that's where, you, you know, you start to get, you know, uh, prone to populism. Um, if you start, you know, saying these people don't exist, because they do, and you bring them in the conversation. So, you know, there are ways where you do have to acknowledge that there's impartiality, but it's, it's common sense, but and also at the same time, bring them in. And I think it goes back to maybe that, 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 that talk that we had about diversity, where it's making a conscious effort to mm -hmm. go out and find them. Like I would say, you know, it's quite easy to find people on one side of some arguments and not so easy on the other, but they are out there. And, and I think that there is a level within the media scope that they can, they can sort of bounce around and find that. It's just, it goes back to that needing that, con that conscious effort. And it's not difficult. I think, if I'm honest, within the media, they, they do themselves. They, you guys make it harder for yourselves by not asking us <laughs> for advice on what's going on. I mean, I'm sure you guys could all give me examples of people that have opposing views to you. Um, quite easily. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it, it can really be as simple as that. So, Ella, um, Kids Against Plastic. With Glastonbury going plastic free, uh, yet sometimes in the media culture we see plastic toys attached to magazines, and we also had the goodie bag that uh, we all received. Do you think sometimes the, the attachment to these kind of like these big challenges, these problems that young people, young activists like yourself are actually you know, tackling head on, do you think that message has got through to some parts like, yes, you're talking about on the one hand, BBC, you're talking about the Blue Planet, but on the other hand, you, know, you might be handing out some plastic nonsense in, in various places. Just, just being devil's advocate here, I'm just like, what do you think about that? So obviously, Glastonbury did go kind of plastic-free this year, but that doesn't mean that everyone brought a reusable bottle along. There will have been some people who brought along plastic bottles and maybe left it on the floor. I think it's all about the convenience of everything. So plastic is so convenient. It's cheap, it's lightweight, everything like that. So it's the go-to material for all sorts of items. And in goodie bags, like the one we got today, they're full of plastic-wrapped items. I mean, there's a reusable bag inside the bag, 
that's wrapped in plastic <laughs> is a bit crazy. And I think it just takes, again, common sense to just think, wait, do we need to wrap a reusable bag in a single-use plastic bag? Or can we just put it inside? It's, and I think it just needs to make that link. And also, people themselves need to think, OK, Glastonbury's plastic-free this year. I'm going to try and contribute to that by refilling a bottle instead of using a cheap one that I find everywhere. So how do you think the media can be doing better at this message? You know, do, what, what would you want them to see, see do around this? And these aren't, you know, these aren't trivial questions. These are, these are things that, you know, with the plastic toys that you're getting in your little goodie bag, ironically, you're going to be the generation that's got to then sort out how we get rid of them. Yeah. But mm -hmm. what would you suggest they do then? I think it's all about awareness. So it's fine if you just don't put plastic in a bag. That's, that's good. But if people don't know why you've done that, then they'll just carry on using plastic. So at Glastonbury, if people don't know the reasons why there's no plastic there, then they're just going to bring it along anyway. So if it's out there in the news saying why we should cut down on the use of plastic, and especially for kids, they don't know what a big problem this, what, how big of a problem this is, and they don't know that we're going to inherit this planet and then therefore have to kind of take care of all of these problems. So I think just put all of the information out there and try and raise awareness of it, as well as just making the changes, you need to give reasons so people understand more. And Noga, you went to Glastonbury this year. I did. Which I'm very jealous about. How, how, did, you, how did you experience sort of the plastic waste and what was going on around there? Yeah, I mean, Ella's absolutely right. You know, not everyone knew why, why Glastow was going plastic-free. And as a result, yeah, absolutely, the fields were still full of plastic. But I think it's also very important to remember when we're talking about this that, that yes, individual change is vital, but we won't achieve, we won't resolve the ecological crisis without systemic change, without radically restructuring and transforming our economy. And actually, with that systemic change will come feasible alternatives that will allow people who can't, people who live in areas where they can't go vegan or can't, can't live without plastic or whose life is around, is around plastic. You know, that's why we need real systemic change. That's why we need the government to act. And that's what youth strikers have been calling for. Because quite frankly, if you're, if you're living in a low-income community or if you're part of a marginalized group, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to live plastic free and we need government action on that we need people to support others and we need the media to show others that that there needs to be a solution that we need to see this opportunity yeah i think you hit on really the, the valuable point that it kind of starts with the media as much as it's sort of the government the government tends to move when people want to move and i think the media now probably more than ever with you know in in, in our lifetimes of the internet rising up and things like that and, and having access to lots and lots of information that maybe, you know, when you guys were growing up, you didn't have as freely access to. And I think it's really interesting to sort of see just how important that role of the media is playing within, within activism and how much more I think it needs to step up in that role as well. So, again, picking up on what you said, if people don't understand. I mean, the Blue Planet, it was Blue Planet 2, wasn't it, with the um, turtle? My favorite guy ever, David Atten. Yeah. But that changed so many people. That suddenly the penny dropped, because they could relate to that, that piece of content. They could see that this was something that's like, 
you know, they could, they could get behind it. So what else, if we're going to have to change people's... If, if the activism is uh, something that is very, very real in young people's lives, and I think it is from the experiences that we've had, it is massive in young people's lives. They, they, go, they will kind of like gather around specific issues, and these are all really big issues. How can the media help educate young people around why it matters? And going back, you know, going back to Ella's point as well, if you don't understand the context of it, and why should they be bothered? Why should the media worry about this? Why should they, you know, why should we, why should we be trying to get them to understand why activism matters and what the media can do around that? Well, I think, I think firstly, it's important to mention here that in the UK, the youth strikers' third demand is that the media address the ecological crisis with the severity and deliver that severity and seriousness to the public alongside the government. And it is vital that people see how that the media make people aware of, of how common activism is and how large protest movements are in the UK and how actually empowered young people have become in particular. You know, we need the media to, to invite activists to, to front programs and to present things. And I mean, Ella's an incredible example of that. But we need that everywhere. And we need that to be diverse. And we need that to be regionally diverse. And we need the media to, to showcase activism and to encourage other young people to join, to make this not seem like some far off, inaccessible thing, but to actually make people aware of the problem, tell them what the solution is, tell them how they can get involved, and how the solution will be implemented. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, I would say another reason why people have recently become more aware of these issues and are now more passionate about it is because they know that it's affecting them. So before it was a kind of hidden problem beneath the surface of the sea, but now we're seeing plastic litter around us more and more. And we're reading news articles about how fish are eating plastic, we're eating the fish. So basically, we're eating plastic. And our clothes contain plastic microfibers <coughs> that come out in every wash. So there's plastic everywhere, in the air, in our drinking water, in the food that we eat. So now it's affecting us. People are starting to now care a bit more about it and make that change. So I think that's a really good way of engaging people, just telling them it affects them, and especially kids saying that it will affect them in the long term because we're going to inherit all of these problems. Just out of interest, who here watches Gogglebox? Does anyone watch it? Okay, quite a few. So <laughs> something really struck me when watching Gogglebox, and it was one of the, it was, I can't remember the names, but one of the women said, um, it was on the David Attenborough show, and she said, how did I not know about this beforehand? Now I've seen it, I want to do something about it. And that just made me think, okay, Maybe it is the media which, who need to be the activists. You know, you do have a huge responsibility in a digital age. We, you know, it's the only thing really which we consume, especially as young people. So start, start thinking about the mediums young people, you know, consume. We, we like to watch very short minute, maybe we've got a lower, small attention span, but we've got like these short, snappy YouTube videos getting those messages across. Um, but yeah, you can only get young people becoming activists if they know about the issues. And, I think that's what we're starting to do. And I, I, oh, sorry. I think it's the content that they kind of want to see as well. 100%. And, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting as well because at the moment, so I specialise in Gen Z, so we're literally just entering the workplace at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're, we're all Gen Zers over here. And we are... And, and I think we're going to start going into the role and having that change happen. I just think if, if, if the media and sort of specific things don't necessarily, 
you know, catch up with it and do it. I think eventually, and I think I speak for all the people on the stage, they will end up finding a way to do it themselves anyway. And I think we've seen that uh, with all of the different people on the panel today, each within their own have done their own sort of form of activism and they haven't let the limitations block them. So one of the things that strikes me about young people is they don't wait for permission to do stuff, they just do it. And I think that that's something that, that the, the media is a massive, obviously, there's lots of different areas to the media, but that's what you're seeing when you look at online, when you're looking at YouTube, when you're looking at Instagram, when you're looking at all of these things, they're going to do it anyway. And it just makes sense that, as going back to the, some of the things that, that I think are really important, is that industry, media industry, are the ones that actually help them reach as many people as possible and bring them into that world as opposed to seeing them as something different and outside and don't quite get them. You'll get them if you start talking to them. And that's the crucial thing. This all starts with talking with young people and getting them into your organisations and finding out exactly what they think without you thinking that you know it all. Because you don't know it all. I know that I don't know it all. And that's why we have to have these conversations. Does anyone else want to have a pick up on that bit? Yeah, we're not that confusing, you know. <laughs> you might think, you know, you often hear of corporations and, gosh, I, I get so many political parties coming up to our organization and asking me, you know, what do young people want? I was like, have you actually talked to them? You know, <laughs> how many people do you actually invite to the conference? I won't name the political party. You might be able to guess. I, I went to a, I went to a party conference. I go, you know, I go to most party conferences, and I went to one of them. And I was I went to a talk, a fringe event on um, un, engaging the under forties. Right, that was their youth wing, engaging the under forties. I was the only one under twenty five in the entire room, and I don't even belong to that political party. Right, and they start to think again. I was I was talking this morning, you know consolidating older audiences and confused by younger generations in the political world. You think I was talking about that political party. But in reality, again, it's the media. And the only way you can solve that is like those political parties, talking to us. Well, I'm curious today in the audience, because we've uh, all the fantastic volunteers come from different universities. How many of you have had conversations with them? Not everyone is what I'm seeing. And so I think it's extremely important that these are like the young people that, you know, in not too long of a space of time are potentially going to be occupying your jobs and doing that. And, and you know, at CMC, we, it's really fortunate that they have this changemaker st uh, strand where it's not just us, there's a bunch of uh, young people that hopefully you've been going to sessions and sort of hearing about. And I think, you know, it, it really sort of starts... And, and probably ends quite simply with, you know, and this is what I preach all the time, is that, you know, you're probably wrong about what you think about young people, and you just need to talk to them. <laughs> it's pretty simple. So going back to that, yeah, every one of these um, young people in green T-shirts, if you have a chat with them, you'll find out that they're passionate about being here. They're giving up their time to be here. They're here because they want to be part of this world. And I think that one of the things that I would encourage them, they're fascinating. We've got a, we've got a documentary maker here, a young documentary maker. If anyone's <laughs> looking for a, a documentary maker, um, go and speak, speak to them. <laughs> and they're, they are all hungry. They are all eager. Um, and as Brandon says, we should all be having conversations with them. These are the young people at this conference, apart from the panel here and obviously Shark Boy. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think, I think the actual topic of the, of, the, of, the, of the conference 
is about being limitless. And that was set by a young person. I mean, this is, you've got to kind of like mm -hmm. also see that this isn't all doom and gloom with this conflict. There are some fa fantastic things happening here. And this is a great step in the right direction. And the fact that a young person came up with the idea that this conference should be limitless, I think that says it all. That, that's kind of like, we should all be thinking this is limitless here. But how can, I want to know what you guys think of what limitless is. And how can the media help young people be limitless? What, what does that mean to you? Let's start with Alvin. Sure. Yeah. So um, currently, um, my social enterprise, we're running a school tour called Impact 2000, where we go across um, 15 schools in London and like, speak and deliver workshops and activities to 1,000 students in the like, most resource-restricted schools. And some of these students are in pupil referral units for their be behavior. Some of them have constantly been excluded. And then I see how, um, and I speak to their teachers after the session. I speak to their teachers, and their teachers have horrible things to say about them. And that's not because teachers are horrible people. Teachers are my favorite people, like generally the best people in the world. Um, but they've, from experience, they've seen um, what happens for what happens to young people in education. Like education has a way of beating down young people to see, to, so they feel that they're not capable, so their self their self esteem is low. Um, and I feel like, and that is. That's just how the education system is run right now, and I, I hope one day we'll be able to flip it on its head. But I think for now, I think if you're in a position, back to my first ever point, if you're in a position where you have privilege or platform, and you can raise the aspirations of a young person, you should always do it. You should always do it. And so, for example, I saw a TV program, I can't remember the name, of, um, and there was a young black boy and he was an astronaut. And that made me smile so much. And I remember in 2008, when I was in year seven, that's when Barack Obama became um, the president of the United States. And I genuinely, from year seven to year nine, I wanted to be the president. I wasn't from America, but I said, I have to be the president. But <laughs> Barack Obama has just become the president. And I think just that awareness, and I think that's why media was so important. Raising aspirations and putting, those, putting that visibility and representation makes it a lot more accessible, makes it reality, helps me to envision it. Um, so that limitless me, to me, is I, I guess raising aspirations and just making making things seem possible, which everyone in the room is a creator, so you can do it, I guess. Yeah, um, I think limitless would probably mean to me like there's endless possibilities of what it could be, mean. Um, I think limitless could also is anything basically. Anything could happen in that. So limitless could be something. I think, just like you said, touching on people's dreams and making and encouraging them to follow those aspirations, um, and it really inspires them, and I think that's really important to do. So they keep that passion throughout their life, and so they still have that passion in later life. So I think that's what's really important. Yeah, when I think of Limitless, I think, you know, the first word which comes to mind is potential. I think that there's so much untapped potential for young people. Um, I think that the education system can do a lot more for the kids who, you know, I think it's very structured on, you know, retaining information when in reality this industry requires creativity and adaptability and ingenuity, all characteristics of kids who, you know, might not be able to, you know, achieve as much as they wanted in this current structured, very rigid education system. So what the, you know, the way of ensuring that kids have limitless potential is by tapping into that. And that's where I think I'd love to see the media industry enhance and embrace apprenticeships 
um, going into areas which you wouldn't necessarily go to originally and saying, look, this is an option for you guys if you really want to take it and not be scared of that because it could turn out to be the best decision you guys make because it could really you know, open you, you guys up to a, to a new world of the youth. Yeah, I think Limitless makes me think of what Lizzie was saying earlier. Why should, why should the media do these things? Why should you guys, you know, create new opportunities, create new programs that focus on specific things? And I think, why not? Why not do this? Why not do that? There is so much that you are responsible for as an industry. So much of young people's education comes from you guys and that's not something you can just shy away from that's something that you have to take on to push the boundaries to be as limitless as you can possibly be because if you don't you're you're neglecting everything you have and i think that's vital whether it's about whether it's about environmental campaigning or anything anyone on this panel does whether it's about representation you know i'm jewish i'm a girl i'm an environmental campaigner so i come up against a lot of of disagreement, I think, is maybe the best word. Um, but I think it's all of that. It's current issues, it's political issues, it's education, it's representation. And there is so much that you guys can do. There are so many boundaries and rules that you can break. And it's, it's what you have to do. My question for all of you is, are you hopeful for what the future holds? And let's start off with you, Noga. I'm, I come <laughs> up against a lot of a lot of very negative language, a lot of depressed kids, people living with eco-anxiety, people, people suffering mentally and physically under a very socially unjust system. And it is difficult to be optimistic in the face of that. But I think then you, you do stuff like you look at this panel, you think about the opportunities that we can create that I really hope as many people as possible at this conference will take away from this and go, we can do this, we can do that, let's, let's make this happen, let's make that happen. That, that does fill me with hope. Dan? All round, you know what gives me hope? It's, I get a really rare opportunity, you know, I meet thousands of young people every month across the country, you know, even when I was in full-time education, I made an effort to go out every weekend and talk to people in areas like Grimsby and the Northeast, areas which I'd never been to. Um, and what gave me hope was them being really receptive um, and them going, you know what, we do want to make a change, but help us, you know, give us the resources to make that change. So we're almost picking up where I think the government should be standing in, saying, okay, you know, we're almost doing their job of educating their citizens on how to engage in a democracy, which I think is quite depressing in nature. But the thing which gives me hope is that they want to. And that's where hopefully we can team up with the media and say, these are the ways you can do so. Um, so no, it gives me hope that people want to make a change. And let's just give them the skills to do so. Anna? Uh, I'm definitely hopeful for the future because I think as these issues become kind of more all over the news, like you can find it much easily, easier now. I think that gives me hope because if these people know about these issues, more and more people will get on board and more and more people have already got on board. And I think big companies, the media and the government all kind of follow what people want. It's consumer demand. And if all of these people are aware and making the changes, then hopefully that will lead to changes from bigger companies. And I think that definitely gives me hope. Um, yeah, I, like everyone else, I think I'm two things. I'm hopeful, but I'm tired. 
So I'm hopeful because <laughs> I'm hopeful Search. because even me being here on the stage, it's insane. Um, from the environment I've grown up with, I've been kicked out of education more three times. I was gonna say more times than I can count, but that's an exaggeration. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> I've been kicked out three times. I've been fired a number of times, and this is all. And this is this journey for me has all been pretty pretty fast, I would say. And I've, I've worked with global companies. I've, I've received awards from Theresa May, and it's like. I can see that people are receptive, they understand that I have access to information and markets and I ask questions that people traditionally might not do, and you've given me the platform to speak to all of you guys and then for you guys to go and facilitate change. So yes, I'm hopeful. However, I'm also tired because I've only been in it for a year and it's like I've been having the same conversation all the time. <laughs> so I think um, what I am asking for you um, as you leave, please like speak to every single person here, mm -hmm. speak to everyone around you about what you've learned and then sorry, and go um, facilitate the change in um, wherever you work and, and whatever you do, please. And yes. Alvin, on that note, where can people find more information about you? Um, you, can follow, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter, at, I need to change it, but it is at KwameGB, um, K-W-A-M-E-G-B, or you can follow the social enterprise at the Advantage Group. Uh, yeah. And Ella, where can people find more about what you're doing? So there's a website called Kids Against Plastic and another one called Be Plastic Clever, which is for our Be Plastic Clever scheme. And you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So Twitter and Instagram are both, uh, no, Instagram and Facebook are both Kids Against Plastic and Twitter is at Kids Be Plastic. And, and when are you on Sky? When can we so, watch you on television? <laughs> yeah, so FYI is on Saturdays and Sundays at 10.30 on Sky News and then again on Saturday at 4.30 and then if you don't catch it then, you can get it on First <laughs> News and also on the Sky Kids page. Awesome. And Dan, where can people find out about what you're doing with youth politics? You probably find me anywhere there's pizza. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you can find, we've got a website, youth, if, even if you just type youth space politics with the first thing which comes up, which is pretty cool. Um, find me on Twitter, at Laws Dan, um, so it's pretty accessible hopefully. Um, yes, yeah, so if you want to find out more about the youth strike movement in the UK, um, firstly our next strike is on the 19th of July. We have a general strike on the 20th of September, so I'm expecting you all to be there. Um, but our website is ukscn.org, we're the UK Student Climate Network, and you can follow my Twitter, which is noga underscore lr. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to say I'm very, very hopeful if yep. this is what we are going to be yeah. seeing coming and through. And we'd also like to thank our executive producer that unfortunately couldn't be here, Lucy Murphy, who helped a lot in the sort of direction of this. So yay for Lucy, although she's on a train back up to hopefully win some awards tonight. So we want to thank you as well. Thank you to our audience. Thank you for sitting here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to these incredible young people. Can we just give them a round of applause quickly? And thank you, Lizzie. Where can people find more information about you? Uh, you can find more about this is my plug. You can find more about me at lizziehodgson.com. And Brandon, thank you. Where can we find out about you? You can find more information. I'm very easy as well. I'm brandonruff.com. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And that's the podcast done. <laughs> <laughs>